2 Corinthians chapter 4. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's look in verse 13. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. So Paul is fixing to quote the Old Testament here, where it's written. And where it's written, it says, I believed and therefore have I spoken. Then Paul goes back and says, we also believe and therefore speak. There's something about believing that's inside of you and me that always causes us to speak. As a matter of fact, it's the gauge. It's the way you can tell what you believe. Oh, I know people tell you, oh, I believe. Well, you can't tell what I believe. The test is always the measure of whether you believe or not. Job 22, I'm going to just read this to you out of verse 28. It says, thou shalt decree a thing. My goodness, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. I want you to notice there, it doesn't say you'll work hard all day and it'll be done for you. It doesn't say you'll know politicians or that you'll spend your money and it'll be done for you. It's something that everybody has access to. He said, you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. I'm telling you, that's the most amazing human attribute that I can think of, is that you and I can take something as common and normal and routine as speaking and crafted in such a way that our words will literally create things in that realm. It's almost too good to be true. It's so incredible in the sense of incredible meaning unbelievable that almost nobody does believe it. But every one of us is functioning and operating in it in a high, efficient realm. We are experts at having what we say. We are doing a fine job of sending our future out of our mouth. We are experts. We say it, and soon we see it. Amen. He said, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. And then he said, the light shall shine upon thy ways. So, you'll say something, you'll decree a thing, and in the spirit realm, the unseen realm, it is instantly established or set for you. But the light will have to come to show you what actually took place. But faith just says, I have it anyway. Slip over here to, in this same chapter to verse 18. It says, while we look not, we've looked at that word look, means to take aim. While we look not at the things which are seen. Now, the apostles, just five verses away from verse 13 there, where he says that we believed and therefore we spoke. Believing makes us speak. Once you believe something, you will speak it. And what he's talking about, it'll speak it out of the heart. Now, you can say anything, you can read anything, you can echo anything out of your head. You can say, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well, or whatever, all day long till the cows come home, as they say. That won't do anything, but once you believe, talking about believing down in here, once you've settled it, once the controversy is over, once it's done inside, the Bible says you cannot help but speak it. And speaking it then gets it out of your heart and puts it in the realm of the scene. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, what are the things that are not seen? It's the things that cause us to decree a thing. An expectation that comes from just saying, I'm out of debt. 
Like I said, your head can say all day long, you can hope and wish and go out and connive and craft and do even illegal things. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting it settled down inside from the Word of God, having the controversy settled where it's just done. Got symptoms in your body. Got no money in your bank account. Your purse is empty. Just don't know what to do. Lunch money is coming on Monday. What are we going to do? We're going to decree a thing because it's down in our heart that my God shall supply all my need. We just have it down there. Until you have that down in there, you can speak it unto faith. You can parrot it. You can echo it. You can do whatever you want to, but there's got to come a time where down inside you settle the controversy whether you're rich or poor. Whether you're subject to this world or you're subject to the Word of God. Whether you've got a harvest in the field that you can reap at any time or whether it's barren out there and you don't have a hope. You're just dog eat dog, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can. You know, whichever system you want to operate out of, you've got to decide whether you're going to live by faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, let's read verse 7 together. Verse 7, ready, read. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's read it better. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That word walk literally means to live or to uh, carry out our life. So we live by faith. He tells the church at Corinth that you and I, us in there, we live by faith. Well, faith's got to be something different than sight. Because he said there's a contrast here. We're doing one, but we're not doing the other. Well, which one are we doing? Are we living by faith or are we living by sight? Lots of Christians are living by sight. Matter of fact, the only thing different between them and the world is that they've got Jesus in their heart and they're going to heaven someday. And hallelujah, I like going to heaven someday. But the Bible says we can have better down here. This world is cursed, and he said, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to lift you up above the curse here on the earth. Frankly, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying knowing God's got something for me down here. But what's the secret formula? What's the answer? How do I tap in? Is it to get up on top of a mountain and crawl and scratch? Is it to have suffering in your life? Well, I've suffered so long. Surely the Lord's pleased with me. We've done without. My job is this and my family's that. And surely the Lord's pleased with all the suffering I've done. No, that's not it. It's not it. By grace are we saved through faith. He's already given it to us. But faith accesses it. Faith pulls it through Faith pulls it out of the unseen realm into the realm you and I live in. It's not magic. It's just faith. It's just God. Hallelujah. So we live by faith. Say, I live by faith, not by sight. Turn to somebody. Tell them, I live by faith, not by sight. Well, when you do that, when you commit to that, when you go into that realm, it's going to be different. When the bills come that you didn't expect, when the symptoms come that you didn't expect, when trouble comes, and trouble comes, Jesus said in John 16, trouble will come. He didn't say get born again, no trouble. He just said trouble would come. He said, be a good cheer. I've overcome that trouble. Well, I'm in him and he's in me, so we've overcome the trouble. Well, it's not magic. Like I said, it's not something where we live in a bubble or we're psyched up in our mind. But we also understand he's elevated us to a place to live over that trouble. Doesn't mean the trouble doesn't come, but the trouble can't have us. It can't dominate us. It can't put us under. There's a difference between us and the person in the world that's just looking at his own resources, his own avenues of escape, and measuring his response to trouble. We don't have to do that. We look at the Word of God and measure our response to trouble. I live, I walk by faith and not by sight. We let the Word do the work. We let the Word do the work. 
And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, just trust 2,000 years of people that have tried it on their own to see if they're Superman or Superwoman, to see if they can whip every problem and live above this stuff. And you'll find a bunch of lunatics, insane people, jumping off bridges, all matter of poor people that tried to live without the Word of God and could not do it. Eventually, the devil will best you. But I'm telling you, nobody's ever lived by faith and had a failure. I said, nobody's ever lived by faith and didn't get it. You may have people out there that said they were living by faith. You may have even thought you were living by faith sometimes. But the answer is faith knows and faith speaks. Faith knows, faith believes, and therefore can't help himself, can't help herself, speaks. That's what happens when you know that you're going to heaven. Pull this place in here and say, how many of y'all going to heaven? In this church, everybody I know, it would be undeniable, undebatable, we're going to heaven. Well, have you been there? Do you know anybody that's been there? No, but I know that I know, I know, and therefore I'm willing to speak. Might be a lot of things we don't know, but that we do know. Now, just listen to some scriptures here about speaking. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. My goodness. I thought it was in kings and governments. I thought it was in disease and trouble. No, it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So it's hidden. Speaking as an empowerment is hidden from Christians. Certainly from the world, but from most Christians. We ought not to be struggling. We ought to never be desperate. Faith is never desperate. Faith is never desperate. Oh, faith's never waiting on the Calvary. I hope they come over the hill and save me. Faith has it. Hallelujah. It says in Ecclesiastes 10, 12, that the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool will swallow him up. He says his words are going to be his undoing. I like this one. Isaiah 57, 19 says, of God, God speaking, he says, I create the fruit of the lips. I create the fruit of the lips. That's what God said. Peace, peace to him that is far off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. So he's saying, if you'll speak it, he's got a right to create it. Jeremiah 1.12 says, I hasten over my word to perform it. Woo, hurry up, Lord. <laughs> well, you know, he'd hurry and hasten to do over some words if there were some words to hasten over. We're going to have to give him something to bless. I tell you, God's the blessing God. If you'll give him anything, he'll multiply your fish and loaves. He'll take the two coins in the fish's mouth. He'll meet the need. He'll bless what you got if you'll give him what you got. Well, sometimes we don't have much more than our faith in the sense of uh, what we can give God, but I'm telling you, he'll bless what you have if you'll give it to him. In uh, Proverbs 18, 7, it says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Didn't say that his lot in life was the snare of his soul, but it says what he said. What he said made him a fool and made him have destruction. So it's not that people are born fools and born wise men, born rich and born poor. It's that they were raised or fell into a situation where they begin to say what they saw and they sent their present into the future. Y'all listen to me. They sent their present into the future. 
because they said what they saw, so they had what they said. Somewhere you got to break it. Somewhere you got to snap it off. Somewhere you got to quit saying what you see and then wait for the time where that thing kind of runs over you and it just keeps coming and you think it didn't work, it didn't work. I tithed, I gave, I spoke, and it didn't work. You got to run that cycle out sometimes in a sense, but it's already happening. It's already in place. As the day that you decreed it, it became established. So you can't go by what's coming. You know, I got seed out there that hasn't been harvested yet. Y'all got seed out there that hadn't been harvested? So if I was to actually quit giving this weekend or next weekend, it wouldn't mean that my harvest was dried up, but it would mean that I wouldn't have a crop on a certain place in the future. And I wouldn't be watering the crop that I still have out there. But it wouldn't mean that it'd end. Same thing about bad words. Sometimes when you say things, it's not like, wow, that's coming tomorrow. No, it may be a month out. I'd dig it up if I could. <laughs> I'd dig it up. Mark chapter 16, turn there. Mark 16, now you know this scripture. It says in verse 20, Verse 20 says, and they went forth. You'd have to read all chapter 16, but, you know, they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. There it is, working with them, not for them or instead of. Lord, when are you going to do something for me? Lord, working with them, blessing what they were doing, and confirming, confirming the word with signs following. In other words, what they were speaking the Lord was bringing to pass, but they had to speak it. They had to say it. Did the Lord know they had a need? Yeah, buddy. Yea, verily. He knows you have a need. Lord, don't you know I have a need? He does. He knows the hairs on your pumpkin head. Hallelujah. Thereby. It's easier for him to know some folks than others. Hallelujah. But nevertheless, he knows, but that's not how it works. You'd say that's how it ought to work, but that's not how it works. As long as you insist on doing it your way, you're going to be outside the system. Well, I think it ought to be that if you do good things, God ought to be blessing you. That's not how it works. Faith is the way God works it. I believed, and therefore I spoke. That is the system. Well, I don't like the system. It doesn't matter. That's the system. Whether you believe it, like it, want to hook up with it, it's the system God's in. So the day you change over, <laughs> hook up, get an agreement, give it up and surrender and just say, I'm going to do it God's way, I'm telling you that's the best day of the rest of your life. But you're going to have to do it. But I mean, Christians that I've seen are the most closed mouth about the promises of any people. You'll have the world telling their convictions better than you will the church. Amen. Paul told the church at Rome, he said of God, he's the God that calleth things that be not as though they were. That's who we are, y'all. Woo, calling things that be not. Well, you crazy thing, you. It's not there. Look around. You can't see it. Where is it? I got it marked. It's like a bookmark that just marks that place with my faith. And pretty soon we'll take that bookmark out because you'll be able to see it with your eyes. But until then, it's just as there because I can see it with the eyes of faith. How are you going to affirm it? I'm going to tell it just like I saw it in my heart until I can see it with my head. Well, amen. Confirming the words with signs following. So God wants to confirm your words. I said he wants to bring something up to show out. He doesn't want you sitting there holding the bag. He doesn't want you speaking his word and declaring and decreeing and nothing be established. Believe and you receive when you pray and nothing happening. 
God is not trying to withhold and see how he can make you learn a lesson. He's doing everything he can to put a demonstration in the earth. Why, he just barely found Abraham, but he did find him. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to choose you for my covenant because I know you'll command your kids after me, after you. You'll not just let it die with you having a great life, but you'll put it in yours and they'll put it in theirs. Well, he's wanting to make a demonstration in the earth with the church. He's wanting you and I to shine bright. He wants to do something through people that are fleshly and been born just like they have and been to school just like they have and raised kids just like they have and had money troubles just like they have. He wants to do something in them. He wants all the credit, all the glory. So he wants to do it through his word. That's real exciting to me. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, 8 says this. It says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, that scripture is sometimes misunderstood because the word destroy, if you'll look out there and you can see the devil's works have not been destroyed. Well, Lord, they're not destroyed, but that word there means to undo or to untie. It means to dissolve. Well, that's what he's doing right now. One Christian at a time, one believer at a time, we're undoing the works of the devil. How are we going to do it? With our mouth, believing and saying, believing and saying. So your whole job is not to be good. Well, I'm just trying to be good for the Lord so he can bless me. That's not what he's blessing. He's blessing faith. Now, if you'll get in faith, you'll be good. But just being good and not being in faith, you're on the outside. And you're going to be real disappointed thinking that your goodness is going to get you on the inside, and you're just not. Lots of churches in our city got lots of good folks, and they are good. They are sincere. They are honorable. They are upright. They have done the right thing. Don't have an ounce of faith. Don't believe God for anything. Don't know anything about his word. But they're good folks. Go to church. Give, serve, benevolent. I'm telling you in every dimension. But have never believed his promises. Well, we could go over to another nation where they're Hindu or they're Buddhist or something. And you could ask the head monk there, you got any good folks here? Oh, yeah. And they'll point you out the same attributes as we could find of good folks in Christian churches. That's not the mark, y'all. It's believing his word. And when you believe his word, you will, by default, you don't have to work it up. You will speak it. And speaking, you will create the thing you said. What's on the inside, hidden, will suddenly come on the outside through your words and create the thing that is in your path. And it'll change your future. It'll cut off your present, cut off your past, and send something marvelous into your future. Well, how are we going to do that? We're going to climb every mountain, swim every sea. No, we're going to believe and say. I may repeat that a time or two. We're going to believe and say. Our focus is, God, I want your word inside of me. Jesus said, my words are spirit, and they are life. Well, yeah, that was Jesus. Well, if we'll say his words, it wasn't Jesus saying those words that made him spirit in life. It was his words that were spirit in life. And now if I'll say his words, my words that were his words will be spirit and life. In other words, life means they're alive. They're able to procreate. They're able to multiply. They're able to affect. My words will be spirit, not carnal and natural. They'll be spirit. They'll go into the future. They'll operate in the unseen realm. Woo, thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, help's on the way. Amen. Mark 11. Let's turn to Mark 11. Verse 23. Jesus speaking. He talks about faith here. 
And here we have the outline of the principle of faith. He tells us how it works. And he says, Verily or truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Notice that he's speaking there. Notice that faith speaks. And shall not doubt in his heart. So he's got something in his heart. It's not coming out of his head. Doesn't just say, well, let me read the script here. You're speaking to it out of this down in here. In John 7, 38, it says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. There's something in here, and the way it gets out is through your mouth. Death and life. He said, shall speak to this mountain, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Now, that little come to pass thing is important because lots of people believe in miracles. Oh, I believe God could heal. I believe God could raise from the dead. I believe God could give a financial miracle. That's not it. Believing the Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. So it's not enough just to believe, but believe those things which he saith, not that God saith, but the things that I saith shall come to pass. Jesus Christ said he shall have whatsoever things he saith. That's phenomenal. That is amazing that our God would trust us mere mortals people tripping along in life that just made Jesus their Savior, he would entrust that kind of power, that carte blanche domain into our lives, that with the opening of our own mouth, we could change the setting of where we live. That's just almost too good to be true. It's almost scary in the sense to think how much power and authority you and I have. Scary to the devil. If you ever get a whiff of this, if you ever get an inkling of this, if one little fleck ever drops down into your heart and you act on it, the devil's toast. Your future is bright. Unless you're a fool, don't know how to speak God's word, you're just going to start saying what you've been saying. But if you'll change anything at all, your future is changed. We're talking gospel here. Gospel means good news. This is good news. This is good news. We talked about the people at New Orleans, how Jesse Duplantis got up and said, my town, he lives in New Orleans, my town has been saying the big one's coming for years. They've been saying it'll come any time. They said of Katrina, this may be the big one. He didn't say that, though. He said the house of the righteous shall stand. He said those things which were necessary to go into his future and his home and ministry were untouched. But as y'all know the news, Katrina waxed eloquently. It was the big one they'd been looking for. Well, how did that happen? What was going on there? We're not exempt here, but it's just that we don't have a propensity to believe that a hurricane can get four hours inland and knock us out, so we haven't been saying it. We hadn't been seeing that possibility, so we haven't been saying it. But it was a real possibility to them, so they said what they saw or what was possible to see, and they had what they said. So what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three was absolutely truth. They did not doubt in their heart, but they believe those things which they say shall come to pass. Right now in California, they're holding on because the big quake is coming. And the news said, you know, in the next 30 years, they're going to have the mother of all earthquakes. So everybody's believing it. And how do you know? Well, they're saying it, well, number one. But number two, they're bracing their houses and they're, you know, putting their goldfish on the floor and, you know, all sorts of things. They believe. They believe. And there's nothing there that will stop it because they all believe it's coming. Well, this is in a broad general sense, and that works quite a bit different than in your own personal life. My future's coming out of my mouth, not your mouth. 
You can curse me if you want to, but it won't affect my future until I agree with you. <laughs> you can say you're a no good, sorry, so-and-so, but until I say amen, it isn't happening. It's not changing anything. But your influence on me, like if I was a child and my parents told me you'll never amount to anything, then your resistance to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is greatly wore down. Your resistance to being the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, is wore down. If you've been told, you're sorry, you're trash, you're a burden to my life, I wish I'd never had you. If you've ever heard that from someone that supposedly loved you and was caring for you and responsible for you, it weakened your defenses. So you got to get into this because all of us have heard something of like measure in our life. All of us, none of us are exempt. All of us have heard something, experienced something that told us something different than God's word. And the last word standing is doing the commanding. If you've never countered that, you've just had a dream. You've just changed your mind. You've turned around, but you've still got the past, things that you spoke, things that you mimicked, things that you repeated. Those things are still out there, though you've changed your mind, but you've never said, bless God. I am the righteousness of God. You've still got that last word that you've said, I guess I'll never amount to anything, working in your life, creating your future exactly and precisely and without compromise and very mindful to detail about everything you said about you. It's out there working, even though you've read and heard and even nodded your head. Yes, I am this, and yes, I can do all. But you've never said. You've never stood up and decreed. You've never said, I have got it. I'll not go down. I can do anything through him. You've never said it. Although in all dimensions, you've agreed and gone with it. The last word standing is still doing the commanding. It's out there in the unseen realm, working against you. You ever feel sorry for the salmon trying to swim upstream to just go home, you know, to homecoming or whatever they do, you know? It just seems so hopeless, and it's like, just go downstream and just, you know, make a nest down there or whatever. Well, that's the way most Christians are. They're spending their whole life trying to get upstream, trying to, to go against the battle, and God's already fixed it for us. He's already got a side door that says the word of God, the promises of God, and we can go there. My words are tireless, infatigable. They are unrelenting. They are going into my future, and they are establishing exactly what I said. They are not based on intent. They're not based on what I meant. They're not based on what's good for me. In other words, I might have said, I laughed so hard, I almost died. That just blows me away. Fred Sanford, and you mimic, it's the big one coming. Elizabeth, I'm coming. <laughs> you know, we fooled around with that. Oh, hee-haw, we can't even go there. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. We sang it with a fervor. It was funny, ha, ha, ha. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, my Lord. But see, you get out there, and you just say these things. You say these things, and you open doors. Your mouth opens doors of God and doors of the curses. The Bible says, I'm not making this up. I didn't tell you all the scriptures. We just hit the highlights. It's all through the Word. It's in there. It's gospel. Jesus said it. Paul said it. John said it. James said, the Word in your mouth is like a bit in a horse and like a rudder on a ship, it sets the course. 
wherever the governor listeth. It's not what happens to me. Well, I just got dealt a bad deck in life. Just my life. No, it has nothing to do with that. We all have a story. We could tell about what we had to overcome. We don't want to hear your story because it just makes us want to tell about our story more. We don't care about your story because Jesus whooped the stories. He said, let me just show you how we're going to get out of all this. One size fits all, and we don't hear about your stories no more. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So what's faith? Faith believes and faith speaks. Now, this is one of the most important things I could teach you. Like Christians have for years, you'll get off and you'll start thinking we're coming to church to sing. We're not coming to church to sing. Oh, I just love the choir. I mean, we love to sing, but we're not coming to sing. Oh, and we're coming to fellowship. We love to fellowship. We've had some marvelous fellowship. That's not why we come. Well, we're coming to pay our Sunday obligation. No, we're not coming for that either. But we came for the word. We don't know enough yet. Let's just say that. First person, I don't know enough yet. That's the whole source of trouble. It's not the devil. It's not bad worlds. It's not bad government. It's not President Bush. (laughs) He's not our trouble, (laughs) y'all. We just don't know enough yet. So we come to church to learn, to drink in. So my words are a blueprint. And as soon as I speak them, creation, construction, work starts happening. If I say, I never have enough money to pay my bills. How many of y'all know how it's going to be in October? It's already destined. Something's going to rob. Something's going to come in and kick it out. But if I get it down in my heart, my goodness, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm not resisting the word of God. I love God, and I'm blessed to be a blessing. That's why I've got more than enough. You may have changed your mind. You may have dreamed a new dream, but the last word standing is doing the commanding. So you got some homework, family. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, to take you out and put you in a place. You may have to ride a bike or go out in the country or just take a nap and just say, Lord, what words are out there still working against me? What have I said in jest and in folly? It's just like a courtroom where the truth is always the truth, but sometimes legal maneuvering causes the truth not to win. Are y'all with me this morning? Where, where, but it's, it's what was said. Well, you confess to it. Well, I want to say I didn't confess to it now. Well, protocol here says you confess to it. We're going to send you to the fry chamber. Off you go. Well, that's just protocol. Same thing with a computer. You may have meant to hit backspace and hit delete and the document disappeared. And you may say that's unfair, but it's gone. The mountain must obey you. The mountain must obey me. It's what Jesus said in Mark 11. He said, if you'll speak to the mountain, and if you'll believe what you say to the mountain will come to pass, you'll have what you say to the mountain. Not what pastor says, not what TV says, but you'll have it. But I've heard people say you just can't get good help anymore. Businessmen. Man, you just can't get good help. The help is sorry in Tuscaloosa. I mean, you hire them, and they're lazy. You leave them for eight hours, and they work two hours, and you have to pay them for eight. Nah, 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 nah. And guess what? It's true. Oh, yeah, I heard this guy say, they just stand around and draw a check. I'm thinking, if that's mine, I'd have to get me some new employees, wouldn't you? But see, you can't get new employees. They're all the same. Yeah, they are. They're all the same. 
They'll be whatever you say they are. You got to say, I got good help. My help is blessed. My help wants to help. They'll either quit and go off to somebody that says, boy, the help around here just sits around. They're looking for that one, you know, hallelujah. But I'm looking for the help that says, I believe in seed time and harvest. Bear some help up with your words. I got good help. I got good staff. I try and try and nothing ever happens. If you're guilty, don't raise your hand. Just, oh me, oh me. I can't afford to tithe. Yeah, that's a real luxury that we're trying to get everybody to have that in their life, to afford to tithe. You know, tithing's not affordable. It takes faith to tithe. I said it takes faith to tithe, and it's not something you can afford. None of us just happen to be rich enough to just say, oh, yeah, 10%, never miss it. I believe I'll just bless the church and bless God and tithe. It had nothing to do with that. It's a percentage. That means that the guy that's just making $100 a week and the guy that's making $10,000 a day if you could use this terminology, it costs the same. I don't want to say suffering, but initially there is some, seems to be some wailing and gnashing of teeth, you know, like, ah, because hardly anybody's living on 90% naturally, and if they are, they're such a good steward, they don't want to give up with that other 10%. You can't say, I can't afford to tithe. I've heard people say, gas is so high. I've heard them say this, we can't have fun anymore because we just can't go to the show, we can't go to Birmingham. Or they say, really, I've heard this big time is that we can't go to church anymore. Heard a man talk about it, says we need to raise up little house churches because, you know, Christians can't afford to go to church anymore, and we'll just raise up house churches all over, and we'll just share. Well, that's not Bible. You can raise up home groups and stuff, but it's all based on the price of gas. What does the price of gas have to do with me? Point to yourself and say nothing. nothing. It has nothing to do with you. You mean if groceries quadrupled, you'd say, we can't afford to eat. No, we wouldn't think that. Well, it's all in the same vein. It's hard to make a living anymore. Whoo! If I make more, I'll just owe more taxes. I heard this. If I make more, I'll just owe more taxes than I make, and so I'm just going to slow down and not work as much. <laughs> Kids just don't have respect for anybody anymore. He has ADS. People telling about their children, my son has ADS, attention deficit syndrome. They're always labeling their kid, don't do it. Don't say, this is my tumor. Don't say, this is my anything. You enforce what you see. You say what you see, you'll have what you say. You don't have what you see, you have what you say that you saw. So just zip the lip. If you can't say something like, bless God, I'm the healed of the Lord. By his stripes, I was healed. If you can't say that, and you ought to say that, then you're going to have to just zip the lip. I work in my life. I'll just tell you all personally. Confession is something that God has impressed in me. I just, to the best that I can, I don't say things that I'm not willing to have. Every word I speak, I have a, a somewhat cognizant awareness of what I say. I may have to take this medicine for a long, long time. Hello? Get you a prescription plan. Get you a friendly pharmacist because you're in for it. If the Lord wants me to prosper and be healthy, he'll just have to give it to me. That's wrong doctrine. He knows your need. He knows what you have need of. He's put the word out there. By these great and precious promises is what he said we'd have. Okay, I don't mind sacrificing so others can have my part. Heard that. Somebody's got to sacrifice, and I'll just do it if it means others can have part. That has nothing to do with anything. 
Nobody will have any more because you sacrifice. What I like to say is, is God has a miracle for me. He's awful busy, and my need is not as bad as others, people will say. I'm telling you, God has a miracle for me. God's got a miracle for you. He's got a miracle. Well, I just don't have faith for it. Well, get in faith. You have faith for it. Just get in faith. Miracles are to jumpstart people. He wants you to live by faith, but until you can get all this down and get it all going in one way, just take one of them freebies from God, which is called miracles, where he just said, I skip all that other stuff. I'll just use my faith on you. Boom. He jumpstarts with miracles. I mean, uses them for other things, and there's all kinds of matter. But I've seen him many a time. Nobody had faith that needed it. God just did it. I like to say this is my best year. That's one of those that could work for next year. This is my best year. Last year was my least year. I will never have a year less than last year. Every year will be better than last year. This is my best year. I like to say that I was weak, but now I'm strong. You know, we sing that. Let the weak say that I'm strong. I'm strong. You're strong. Well, I don't feel strong. The doctor said I wasn't strong. It doesn't matter. Say I'm strong and get that inside of you and believe I'm strong. Say it with me. I'm strong. Hallelujah. It's that same song that says, let the poor say I'm rich. So when we're singing that, I don't just say, let the poor say they are rich. In that same pitch and key, exactly, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> Harmonizes with Kevin. He just loves me on the front row. He can hardly sing when I'm not here, hallelujah. But I just say, I'm rich. I just say, during the song where it says, let the poor say I'm rich, I just say, Lord, I'm rich. Don't just sing a song about somebody. I say, I'm rich. Well, I don't know if God wants everybody rich. He does. So much so that in advance, the Bible says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made, oh, come on, rich. Well, just put whatever spin you want on that word. It still means more than enough. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 John 4.17 says, Because as he is, so are we in this world. Whatever Jesus had on the earth, he wants you to have on the earth. He's the pattern. We're supposed to have what he has. The victory over the devil. Our words saying things. Many times he told people, be healed. Guess what? They were healed. Well, it was his words that spoke those things. So you ought to tell your body, body, you're healed. I'm healed, whole, and healthy. I'm full, supplied, and wealthy. It gets down in you after a while. And then one day, somebody will say, you know, this family's, we don't have nothing. And it'll rise up on the inside. That's how you know it's in. It'll rise up on the inside. So speak for yourself, Jack. One day it'll rise up. It may not rise up for a while. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, okay, that's the family creed or whatever. But one day when you say, I'm healed, whole, and healthy. I'm full supplied and wealthy. He supplies all my need. He was made poor that I might be rich. One day it'll rise up in you and you'll say, no. And you'll decree a thing. And at that time it'll be established unto you. Amen. So what we're not saying is what we see. And what we are saying is the promises of God the great and precious promises.